unveiling the secrets A-list copywriters use to make themselves and their clients millions. This is the Copywriters Podcast with your host, the world's greatest copywriting coach, David Garfinkel. All right, copywriters, welcome back to the Copywriters Podcast with your host, the world's greatest copywriting coach, David Garfinkel. David, how are you doing today? I'm good, Nathan. How about you? I'm fantastic. As always, it's great to be back on the call with you. And we have got an awesome show lined up. What do you got for the copywriters out there today? Well, I have a question for you that's going to lead to our show. I know you were in the music biz. You were both a performer and a producer of popular music for a while back in the day. And I want to ask you a question. Okay. Did you ever see a musician who's like this unimpressive guy? He's probably she, well, probably he, standing around looking at his shoes. Um, maybe you know has the shirt buttoned wrong. Um, probably missed the spot when he was shaving, mm-hmm. and he could probably fade into the background to drop of a pin. Mm-hmm. Okay, then all of a sudden he picks up an instrument, and it's like he's in a different universe. Yeah, that describes a lot of musicians, actually. Okay. So it probably describes a lot of other performers, too, except, um, with no offense to fellow musicians, other performers are often a little more meticulous about their personal appearance. (laughs) But um, that has nothing to do with what I want to talk about. What I want to ask is what happened. And if you can get the person talking, which is sometimes a challenge, but if you can get the person talking, he'd probably tell you, well, dude, I got into the pocket or I slipped into the groove, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, there's another way to say that. And that other way is I got into the flow. I got into the flow. And that's what I want to talk about today, particularly as it applies to copywriting, because in a slightly different sense, but in a very similar mode and very similar experience for the copywriter as it does for the musician, it's very much applies to copywriting. Yeah, and I like that you started off with music because actually in the music that I did, it was it, we, were, uh, we had a hip-hop label, and hip-hop artists actually call, once you're able to sink into a beat and ride the beat, they actually call that flow. They say, he's got a lot of flow. So it's, it's a perfect segue into what we're going to be talking about today. Uh, it's excellent. I did not know that. I, I really didn't, but... Um, sounds like sounds like the hip hop artists are hip. All right, <laughs> one one thing I want to get to before we get to flow, and that is this: copy is powerful, and you, the listener, are responsible for how you use what you hear in this podcast. Most of the time, common sense is all you need, but if you make extreme claims, and if you're writing copy in highly regulated industries like health, finance, business opportunity then you may want to get a legal review after you write and before you start using your copy. My larger clients do this all the time. So when it comes to copy, what is it exactly that you're talking about when you say flow? Well, it's interesting. There's there's two sides of it, because ultimately what we're looking for is the effect on the reader, and you want the reader to get into a state of flow a lot like a listener or an audience would get into this state of flow 
when they're listening to music they really like. But let me let me describe it from the writer's side because interestingly enough, what your experience when you're writing very often corresponds to what the reader experiences when they're reading. Okay. Mm -hmm. So here's what flow is. It's, it's writing easily. It's ease of writing and it's starting and not stopping. It's the opposite of the, you know, one foot on the accelerator, one foot on the brake syndrome. It's like you start and like the word says, it flows. It literally flows out of you. Um, it's it's low stress compared to what many people experience most of the time when they're writing. And this is this is just as important, maybe more important, and you know, related to all of this, when you're in a state of flow, you have easy access to your creativity. The kind of creativity that's gonna help you get better conversions. And for some people, depending on how they experience state of flow and other things, being in a state of flow could even feel like a rush, like a dopamine drop. Mm. So, so that's what it is. Can I, can I ask another question kind of related to music? Yeah. So in hip-hop, we have this thing called freestyling where you're not reciting written verses or somebody just puts a beat on and two MCs will start... Um, battling back and forth and it's just words that are coming to them off the top of their head and a lot of times when you're in that flow state it feels almost like you're just a conduit i hate to get all woo woo but it feels like um as fast as even faster than you can think of what to say the stuff is just flowing out of your mouth and i've heard writers like stephen king mention that a lot of times when he's writing that's how he feels is uh, it's just coming through him. It's not even uh, an effort. And it seems like you're saying that um, with some of the stuff that we're going to be covering today, this type of flow state is also possible when writing copy, which seems very counterintuitive to probably a lot of uh, maybe newbie and, and maybe even experienced copywriters out there. Yeah, it is counterintuitive. And that is exactly what I'm talking about. But I want to address something you said as far as as being woo-woo. Have you ever listened to a terrestrial radio, you know, like the kind of radio you have in your car, not a fancy satellite radio, but or AM or FM radio? Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, which do you listen to, AM or FM? Uh, depends on how I'm feeling. Now that I'm getting older, a lot more AM. <laughs> okay. Um, so can you see the radio waves? Uh, no, I cannot. They're invisible. Isn't that pretty woo-woo? <laughs> yeah, definitely. There's definitely more going on than what just we can see with our uh, with our human eyes. Yeah, I mean, you're never going to find a bigger fan of the scientific method than I am. And the scientific method, at least, you know, the old school Newton Newtonian scientific method says if you can't see it, feel it, hear it, taste it, smell it, then you can't be certain it exists. Um, no, no, actually there's more than that. So I'm a fan of the scientific method, but there are certain things that we haven't developed the instrumentation yet to measure. Let's mm. put it that way. Kind of like infrared spectrums and stuff like that. Yeah. 
And okay. but we've developed the instrumentation to measure that. But there might be even other subtler things that we don't mention, and that <clears throat> there might be even subtler things that we don't measure. And so, you know, I mean, the the thing about woo woo stuff when it comes to copy, when it comes to the process of writing, when it comes to selling, is I say, yeah, I think some of those things exist. I think it is a fool's errand to go and depend on them, mm. to say, okay, I'm going to wave my magic crystal wand, which is going to affect my sixth and seventh chakra, and the writing will happen effortlessly. Doesn't quite work that way. But uh, anyway, that's what I wanted to say about that. <laughs> All right. I'm sorry to divert down that rabbit hole. No, I, I, I think I think it's, it's worth pointing out because a lot of people, especially logical, fact-based people, might have some trouble with this. And and I, I want to say that we can explain a lot of the parts of it, but there are some parts we may not be able to explain. I still hope everyone will give it real serious consideration. All right. So what are the benefits of being able to, um, whether you believe in the flow or not, if you're able to uh, grasp that, what are some of the benefits of being able to flow for writing? Sure. Well, for one thing, the writing is smoother. It's easier to read. That might be because it ends up being rhythmic without your trying to make it rhythmic. That might be because you're more relaxed and you're more in touch with the so-called right brain or the so-called old mammalian brain or the so-called midbrain or whatever part of the brain it is that likes rhythm, likes rhythm, likes rhythm. And so, uh, and the writing smoother because of other qualities too. Now, when you're in a flow state and you're writing, this is the interesting thing. If you're in a flow state, then your writing is more likely to put the reader in a flow state. Mm. And why does that matter? Well, besides the fact that the reader is enjoying it more because the flow state is, it's not an ecstatic state necessarily, but it's definitely a lower stress, you know, more comfortable state than, you know, being 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 very tense and you know tapping your fingers tapping your toes watching the clock which are you know being out of the flow state a reader in the flow state has turned their critical thinking off and you want that because that's going to put them in a good position to make a good decision about whether to buy what you're selling i've i've noticed that uh when you're able to get people in that flow state too they're a lot more likely to hand over the steering wheel of their opinion making to you rather than to try and keep a firm grasp on that, on that steering wheel. Yeah, I think that's very true. I think that's very true. Uh, now, one benefit just from the writer's side is when you're in flow, having access to your own imagination comes much easier mm. because I think you're already in direct touch and getting constant input into your awareness from the part of your mind where your imagination lives. So words come easier, metaphors come easier, and creative selling ideas that work come easier. That's a real good thing. And flow helps you stay in a state of momentum and build up greater momentum. And that means you'll get your writing done a lot sooner. And it will also have the energy of building momentum 
which is another thing that makes your buyer more likely to buy. Nice. So one of the things that I've noticed with what you're covering here, it's it's kind of a way to actually take them on a journey with your writing. Oh, a- absolutely. I mean, let's let's talk about a movie, uh, especially after the first few minutes, which might you know shock and excite you. the The hero's journey that the protagonist, the main actor, the hero of the movie, takes. If it's done well, it takes every person watching it along with the hero, the movie does. So, yeah, um, I mean, the state of flow is the state of adventure. It is the state of, you know, an exciting, exploratory, discovery kind of journey. Yeah. Now, that's kind of highfalutin for what we're talking about if, if you're, you know, just selling a continuity program about, you know, putting nails into a piece of wood or something. But uh, even so, um, that's the same state of mind you want your reader to be in in order to be most likely to buy what you're selling. So what are some of the obstacles that writers might run into when trying to achieve this way of writing? Okay. Um, So one obstacle is they don't have enough knowledge loaded up. Now, by knowledge, there are a lot of people who, you know, practically seem to have memorized the encyclopedia. I'm sure you've met them. I'm sure you, like me, try and move away from them as soon as possible, (laughs) as fast as you can run. But um, a lot of people think that, you know, memorizing the textbook or being able to instantly uh, quote what Gene Schwartz said on page 37 of Breakthrough Advertising, that that constitutes knowledge. That's not knowledge that I'm talking It is knowledge, but that's not the kind of knowledge I'm talking about here. What I'm talking about is the knowledge you gain from doing research and organizing it in your head. So you know who's a customer, you know, who's not a customer, you know, what the customer wants, you know, why the customer is frustrated and can't get what they want. You know, why your product is going to solve the frustrations that the customer has had trying everything else. If you have to figure all that stuff out while you're writing, you know, that's, that's no state of flow. That's like a basketball player stopping every few steps to tie his shoes because they keep coming untied. Or her shoes. Female basketball players, although they tend to be a little neater in the way they tie their shoes, in my (laughs) observation. So, yeah, um, that's what I mean by knowledge. You know, the basic research and thinking, the, the writing of bullets, all of that stuff, the, you know, sort of the the hard coal mining work of copywriting that we all have to do, the, the prep work, I'd call it, okay? If you don't have enough of that, then you're going to have to stop, come out of the state of flow over and over again. So you want to have that done. The second thing is if you're new to copywriting and if you're new to writing, I mean, like you've only been doing it a few days or a few months, you may not have enough experience yet. And this is not 
some old grizzled, well, this is some old grizzled vet, but th- that's not why, what I'm getting at here. That, well, you need to have the experience of a David Garfinkel in order. No, uh-uh. no. You could have that experience after a couple years if you're in your 20s. And Nathan, I don't know if you know how old I am, but I'll tell you this. I'm not in my 20s. <laughs> I would say late 30s. Thank you. Yeah, me and Jack Benny, 39 years old. So, um, okay. There's something that Anders Ericsson, the guy who's misquoted as being the 10,000 hours guy, mm-hmm. uh, writes about in his book called Peak, P-E-A-K, Peak. And it is the concept of mental representations. Like, well, let's talk about tying your shoe, whether or not you're a basketball player, male or female. You probably sort of have a picture or even a movie of the steps you take to tie your shoe. And you've probably screwed it up a few times, at least when you were a kid. And so you have pictures of what not to do and pictures of what to do. And you don't even realize it. This is like beneath the threshold of awareness. But that's why when you need to, you know, uh, bend your knees and bend down and tie your shoe, it's not a big deal. It's like automatic, right? Mm -hmm. Same thing with any other activity in life. And that's what Anders Ericsson and and Robert Poole, his co-author, talk about so brilliantly in Peak. And so if you've written like three sales letters, five sales letters, 10 sales letters, 20 emails, 30 Facebook ads, if you've done it repetitively with a lot of intention and a lot of attention when you're doing it, you're sort of burning into your unconscious mind these mental representations. Kind of like mental muscle memory. Exactly. Perfect. Mental muscle memory would probably be a better way to say it. So that gets to the number two obstacle. Now it'll make more sense when I say it again. Not enough experience loaded up in your mind. Hey, let me ask you a question. Does it take you too long to write your copy? And if it does, have you ever wished you had a proven system to write it faster? Well, if that describes you, then you'll want to know about high-speed copywriting. This is a home study program that has helped a lot of people write profitable sales letters in as little as five hours. No, it's not a bunch of shortcut tricks that leaves you with cookie cutter sales letters that people can ignore. It's about writing full-fledged, memorable, response-getting sales letters much faster than it usually takes. It's tested and proven, too. High-speed copywriting will ease you through putting together an original, powerful sales letter and putting it together in record time. You can find out more at HighSpeedCopywriting.com. By the way, this is one of the very few programs that Bond and Kevin Halbert have given their Halbert seal of approval to. So check it out today, HighSpeedCopywriting.com. Thank you. And now back to our show. The third thing is a new term I'm going to introduce today on Copywriters Podcast. Okay. Premature perfectionation. Hmm. I've never heard of that before. No, because it's new. And premature perfectionation means trying to make it perfect too early. Mm. This, again, is like driving a car where you would get out every few feet to make. Well, imagine imagine you're in San Francisco where I am and um, the secret seagull radar has chosen your car as car of the day (laughs) and so 
you're driving down the great highway by Ocean Beach, by the Pacific Ocean, and there are seagulls to the right of you, seagulls to the left of you, and you're stuck in the middle in your car, and there are spots coming down the roof and on your window, even on your white wall tires. Now, if you need to get out of the car every 30 feet, stop the car, pull out a cloth, and wipe the seagull poop off of your car, you're not going to get very far, are you? No. That's kind of like when people try to do all of their editing while they're also trying to do their dumping, not like a seagull dumping, but <laughs> when they're trying to get their ideas dumped out. <laughs> you're really to... mixing my metaphor there. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Um, yeah, it, it is. I mean, the you know, the, the driving is like the writing and the seagull dumping is is like the error and the cloth is like the editing. You know, I've never seen a study that says if you don't wait till you get to your destination and then get out a hose with a sprayer on it, you, you can't get all of the seagull poop off of your car without causing any problems. Mm. And if you wait to do the cleaning until the very end of the destination, you only have to do the cleaning once or twice. You don't have to stop and do it 15 times along the way. Well, if the seagulls really got you, you might have to go to the touchless car wash and get your car detailed. <laughs> you might have to have a hand wax after they really blast off every last bit of the seagull poop. But and And sometimes that's true. Sometimes you need to edit your copy twice. But... That's not nearly so bad as trying to write it and stop and start. And I know a rather experienced, rather successful writer who has never learned to control his premature perfectionation. I won't mention any names. It's sort of, you know, embarrassing. But because of that, writing is misery for him, which is a shame because he's so good at it. And he's done so well with it. But, yeah, you can learn. You just say, no, I'll fix that later. Damn it, I'll fix it later. I just need to get something down now. Okay, so that's the third thing. One thing that I know for myself is, for me, it's hard to switch back and forth. It's hard to switch from creativity to uh, criticism, then back to creativity, creativity, and then back to criticism. Every time that I switch, it takes me a little bit of time to get back into that other mindset. And so if I don't allow that interruption, I'm able to stay in that mindset of creativity a lot longer and actually achieve that flow. But every time I allow my car to start or stop because of a speed bump where I want to go in and, and be critical of it, um, it takes twice as long to get back to the same pace of creativity that I was before. Well, that's a good point. I mean, in addition to pulling yourself out of the state of flow, you're just adding more time and a lot more discomfort to your writing process. Mm -hmm. And then the fourth thing that gets in the way is if you really hate what you're writing, if you don't like it and it just rubs you the wrong way or maybe it even bumps up against your values, I'm sorry, I can't help you there. I don't know. I literally don't know how anyone can get in the state of flow when they hate what they're writing, unless 
they've developed this like really weird ability to love doing something they hate. You know, you know, like the guys you see in the TV, you, you love banging your head against the wall or you love drinking expired milk or something. <laughs> so can I ask a question about that? Uh-huh. I've heard of like uh hitman copywriting where you just erase your emotions from it and you just get the job done and, and you don't have to be emotionally invested in the outcome. Um, and, and I know that there's probably copywriters out there that are capable of doing that. I personally don't feel like I'm capable of doing that. Uh, but can the reader tell if you're, if somebody's a really good copywriter and they're able to, um, write for, for products that they are a hundred percent opposed to, or they're able to write for things that they're just completely dreading the writing of, but they're able to pull it off. Can the reader tell, is that translated into the final copy or, or are people, some people out there skilled enough to where they can actually pull it off? Well, the late Herschel Gordon Lewis, who was a copywriter, wrote books about copy, was also a horror movie producer, said that being a copywriter is like being a hired assassin, being a hitman. I don't know. I don't know copywriters who are like that. I'm not saying, I mean, I would like to meet them. I'm not saying I don't want to meet them. I, I, I find that very fascinating. And again, I think that's sort of in the same, same area as learning to love doing something that you hate. It's like, it's, it's an entirely different approach to copywriting than I'm even familiar with. So I guess it's possible. I've, I've heard about it. You've heard about it. Um, I wouldn't recommend it, mm-hmm. but if that's i mean let's say that you come out of the service as a sniper and you'd like to literally translate what you do to copywriting that might be the best way to do it i don't know (laughs) i don't know so if you're somebody who's dealing with some of these obstacles to getting to that flow state what are some ways that you recommend to kind of overcome that okay so um for uh, the first one, not having enough knowledge loaded up, I'd say do more study and research. You know, really find out who's the customer, who's not the customer, what's their biggest problem. Do research on your product, find out what the features are, write some bullets ahead of time. You know, just go through the complete drill of preparation. Like, oh, I don't know, someone was going to come in and inspect it. And kick your ass if you hadn't done all of it, because that's what's going to happen anyway during the writing process, except you're going to be the one who kicks your own ass. So, so yeah, um, do, do enough study and research and organize it both on paper or on a computer document or in your mind, you know, before you start writing. This might make it take a little longer, but it's makes it not a traumatic experience anymore if you do this and, and the other two things. And, you know, the second thing is, Write a few sales letters. Don't expect this to happen right away, you know, and be conscious of how you do it. Maybe even draw a flowchart or put together an outline of the steps. Or if you're, you know, very creative, draw a picture of the journey you take um, or, or whatever so that you become familiar with the, the steps you take in writing and you can start to internalize them and it's not like you're going into the black forest blindfolded during a snowstorm and you have to find your way out okay Mm -hmm. 
And the third thing is put off your perfectionism, put off your perfection and perfectionation until you finished your first draft. Just, just, you know, little abstinence, little self-discipline, little, um, denial. Mm. Okay. So what are some ways to, to kind of get into the flow state? Well, okay. Here's one tip. See if you can get out of the hurry up and wait deadline situation. Uh, whether that's, you know, having a client that says, okay, today's Wednesday. I need this Thursday. Just say, no, you need it next Thursday because that's how long it's going to take. Or don't put it off. Do something. You don't have to sit down and write the whole thing, but get started on the process so you have enough time. And another thing to do is to understand that flow comes best when you're in a creative space where you're not feeling pressure, there's nothing on your mind, and you're open. Not the normal day-to-day task-oriented space where you're ticking off items on a to-do list. So you need to sort of cordon off maybe an hour and a half blocks, 90-minute blocks, in order to write without interruption or a lot of pressure or any multitasking. And then the third thing, this is interesting. I saw a guy named uh, Paul Stemitz on on uh, Joe Rogan's podcast, and he was talking about everything in the world of mushrooms, and he talked about the psychedelic mushrooms, um, psilocybin mushrooms, and he said that there are a lot of coders, a lot of developers at the best companies in Silicon Valley, and he didn't say Google or Facebook or Apple, but you know, we can kind of assume that. And they take micro doses, really small amounts, not not enough to cause hallucinations, but just enough to expand their mental capacity and their ability to make new connections, which I think is both important in writing software and also in writing happy. Now, I don't know too much about this yet, but tomorrow I'm going to be meeting with a guy from Silicon Valley named Scott Ottman. And Scott's um, an expert on content marketing and social media. And he also teaches a class at the University of California, Berkeley Extension. And he had me as a guest speaker at his class. And so we're getting together just to, to say hi and touch base. But he lives in Silicon Valley, so I'm going to ask him if he knows anything about this. <laughs> I'm interested in hearing what he has to say. Uh, this may or may not make it into the podcast. I'll, I'll leave that up to your discretion, and this is not medical advice at all. But I know personally that some of my most uh, well-responded-to messages have come to me as ideas while I was taking a walk and smoking a bowl of marijuana. In Colorado, we have really po- really potent marijuana. and uh, some of my best sales letters, some of my, some of my best emails have come from ideas that while I was walking, something just struck me out of nowhere. Typically when I've taken a couple of hits of, of uh, cannabis and I jot it down in my Evernote, I go home, I type up an email or I type out a sales letter and I send it off. And some of my highest responding ones have come from that state of mind. So not not advising anybody go out there and use drugs, but I can say that uh, that I have had that experience. 
Well, I'm not going to advise anyone, but I'm glad you said that because, you know, uh, you're not the only copywriter I know who's told me stories about about things like that. And the one thing I can say is that's the dessert. You, you can do that after you've got the basics down and you can pretty much do them, you know, without training wheels. And for goodness sake, if you're a really young copywriter, wait, wait till you're about 25 before you do that and make sure you're doing it in a state where it's legal or a country where it's legal or whatever, because er, earlier than that, it may, there's, there's some research that says it may affect brain development. And if you're anti-drug for God's sakes, don't do it. But yeah, I mean that, so that may be another alternative to what they're doing in Silicon Valley. And, and that's interesting. I've, I've never been able to um, get ideas myself you know, after smoking weed, but who knows? Well, this has been a journey down the rabbit hole, that's for sure. Uh, David, I really enjoyed this conversation. I hope that the copywriters out there did as well. And what do we have coming up next week? Next week, we have the USP shortcut. Ooh, the unique selling proposition. Awesome. I can't wait. All right. Copywriters, thank you for joining us. We will catch you next time on the Copywriters Podcast. Make sure to check out the website over at copywriterspodcast.com and make sure that you're subscribed on iTunes or however you're listening to the show so that you never miss an episode. Until next time, we will see you later. See you later. Before we go, a quick question. Would you like to have me as a guest on your podcast? Let me give you an easy way to contact me about that. We've put up a form on garfinkelmedia.com, and it won't take much more than a minute to fill it out. So if you'd like to have me on your show, just go to garfinkelmedia.com and fill out the form. That's garfinkelmedia.com. Thanks, and see you next time on the Copywriters Podcast.